We're back in the shed. We're just about recovered from the adrenaline blast we had by having famous MLA Bo and Ma in here for our last episode. Almost. We're still kind of flying pretty high, but we're almost back down to earth. It's a great episode. We're, yeah. I mean, listen, if you haven't already, go back. If you've listened to it already, go back and listen to it again. It's I learned so good. much from what's going on with transit and stuff like yeah, that. There's actually, a whole bunch. Seriously, yeah. So I don't know if we can kind of match that value, but I think in this episode, you will learn stuff you wanted to know. We're going to hear about some pretty fun stuff that RJ's been up to. So let's go. Let's get going. Woohoo. I was just at the aquarium this morning. Oh. Just today, first time in a long time I've been there. What was the occasion to go there? That's Uh, exactly what I wanted to do. I had out-of-town guests. I still have one. Ron and Haley of Montreal have been around for the last while now. The aquarium was just purely Ron really wanted to go see the aquarium. So, okay. And tell us about that skin. It's it's, okay. So, hmm. Never mind. You're just going to get the cynical. So... They've really ramped up the sale of coffee and snacks. There's little coffee and snack seller guys all over the place, right? Because I didn't price any of it out, but I'm going to go ahead and guess. Primo prices for that stuff in there. And also the selling of various knickknacks and souvenirs. It used to just be one store and you had to exit through the store to get out. Now they've got those scattered all through the place too. There's at least five different, six different places where you can buy souvenirs. So you can see that they've had to reconsider revenue streams. The other thing I noticed that can be regarded with sort of a less jaundiced eye is they really focused on rescue and repair for animals, particularly uh, sea lions, seals, otters in particular. But everywhere you go, they're talking about uh, rescued uh, animals. So again, change of focus, you know, no more capturing those intelligent belugas and having them Mm-hmm. fret their lives away in a too small tank. They're just not doing that anymore. Thus, the revenues are down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it was, there's a lot of people there. I mean, it's Monday and there was a lot of people there. Oh, and they've gone with a science world-like section where there's all sorts of interactive displays where super irritating 11-year-old boys can just dominate the display and not let you ever try it. They show you how it works and look at you so you can applaud their cleverness and showing you how it works, but you never get to do it. <laughs> like it's a good thing that I'm a mature person or I would have just bullied that kid right out of there. Do it myself. <laughs> it was fun though. I enjoyed it. I was surprised. I, I kind of thought it was going to be just mega irritating, but it was really pretty interesting. I don't know what parking cost, but I'm sure it was exorbitant. I'll see that in my credit card later. And Ron bought the tickets. Thanks, Ron. How much? Don't 30 know. bucks? 819, 32. I have just no idea. And here's another feature of my guests from out of town. So as many of our listeners may have forgotten, because why would they care at all? <laughs> I live in a basement suite, right? It's nice and cool in there. Awesome. One of the very few downsides, aside from winter, is when it's hot out and warm air comes wafting into my cool tomb, what happens when warm air meets cold surfaces, boys? Condensation. Condensation. Everything's clammy and gross. Your sheets, all your clothes. Uh, I've had mold in there a couple of times, and looking back over the years, I believe that may be part of the explanation. One of Sue's old places in North Van, we we moved the dresser out from the wall, and there was a series of mushrooms along the bottom. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's just with three people in there, it's really noticeable too because 
everybody's exhaling on those nice, cool surfaces, and you get... That must be quite cool, then. It is quite cool. I mean, I know I like to complain and everything, but when you hear me talk about I'm cold all the time in the winter in there, I'm not just whistling Dixie. It's cold. <laughs> I have to wear slip on uh, sandals or slides at all times, or it's just tragic. You just, you have no chance of staying warm, even in the summer, really. We went to a concert last night, Crash Test Dummies. Holy. Yeah. It was really good. Was it Penny? It was at the Hollywood Theater. Where is the Hollywood Theater? Out in? Broadway. West Broadway. Yeah. Out fairways out there anyway. And uh, it was great. The theater is really cool. Like really nice. They've done a great job. There's actually seats, theater seats up and down the left and right hand side. So people who want to sit down through the show, they get in the lineup. They publish when doors open and when the show starts. And last night it was doors at seven, show at eight. We showed up around eight, so we stood, but it was fine. But yeah, it's it's an amazing place. I, I'm sure I've never been in there. That's wild. I've never been there before either, and I go to a lot of shows, so I think I think it's fairly new. But you know, we're walking down the street towards the theater, getting there, and I I suddenly realize that I'm wearing my slippers. <laughs> Nice. And then right after that, did you notice there was a bunch of other people also appearing doddering? Is that- well, yeah. And I was telling, I told Sue and she just laughed. She thought it was so funny. She it is funny. She was gleefully looking forward to telling the kids. You yeah, know? yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, one of those songs from the Crash Test Dummies, he talks about, you know, your hairline receding and wearing pajamas during the daytime, you know, and when you're getting old and I thought, oh yeah, Sue looks down on my slippers. You could have tried to pass it off as a cool reference move uh, I, I did I don't believe anybody noticed probably not all night well, you get you, for these kind of shows you get an echo crowd as well because there, yeah. there's kids that grow up with their parents who are playing the music all the time yeah. and the kids end up really having an affectionate feeling towards it a nostalgic feeling yeah. you know? that's a fun term so that was uh, really fun the, the guy you know Crash Test Dummies guy the singer Brad Roberts maybe super low voice oh a bass baritone oh so, uh, so I was saying to Sue, well, he won't have that problem because you, you know, the older singers, they can never hit yeah. the high notes. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you could see he wasn't quite as clean as when he was young, right? Like the, even, even though it's a uh, low, low notes and everything, he kind of had to work at it, but huh. he was good. He played uh, lead guitar as well. And they had this singer that's been with them for 33 years and it's basically the old band. So really quite good. Cool, cool. I always wonder when these bands come, like how many of the guys are still the original guys? I had a look and it's pretty well all of them. Okay, cool. Well, the one guy is the main guy and the woman's been with the band for 33 years. And his brother, the lead guy's brother plays bass. He's been there all along. The drummer's been there all along. And uh, maybe the keyboard player wasn't original. I'm not sure. Nice. But yeah. Nice. And tonight's Modest Mouse, so I wore my shirt, you know, so oh. I don't have to change for the show. So that wasn't just a casual... Well, it, it actually just came into rotation. My t-shirts are just like, hey, what's next? <laughs> <laughs> and Modest Mouse came up yesterday, so I wore it to last night's show, and it's I thought a, I'll wear it tonight Yeah, well. it's a cosmic sign. Yeah. Where's that? That one is at the Orpheum, so, and that'll be awesome. I have a seat for that. It's just me. And I paid attention there at the Hollywood. There's no in and out privileges, Moby. 
Cause it's hard to figure that out sometimes. Like the, the these things are never published. You just get there and, uh, we haven't discussed Europe either. We have to dabble in that little adventure. I'll set this up and then you run. I'm just going to say your Facebook posts made it look like you were having the absolute best vacation I think I've seen anybody have in Europe. I'm not kidding. It just looked fabulous. Well, we did. It was fantastic. We were there 31 days. First, we uh, called a cab. (laughs) (laughs) I got up. I knew I had to get to the airport early, so I brushed my teeth quickly. (laughs) That's That's much better than first we called a cab. 31 days later, we finished the review. (laughs) Uh, Fantastic. uh, You know, whenever I was asked over there, I told people, yeah, this is my first time in Europe, you know, because uh, by and large, they don't count the UK over there, which Mm. is fair enough. Yeah. But the truth is, Sue and I have been to Europe before. I kept, I could have basically told people we've been to Europe because soon I went to St. Pierre off the coast of Newfoundland, <sighs> which is, which is, you know, you might think that as a technicality, but it truly is France there. It yes. really feels like France or the streets are like that. The, they get snooty with you if you don't try to speak French. It's the, <laughs> the whole experience is there. You are in France. Wait, did you see any, any two CVs? Uh, yeah, in actually St. Pierre. Yeah. In St. Pierre, they have nothing but French vehicles. They, you know, they have a few North American ones. Wow. That but, really is just. Yeah. I mean, they send over the barges, I guess. Uh, but anyway, yes, we had a fantastic time there. We just really loved it. it. Sure. Looked. How did Griffin do? Uh, Griffin did great too. But I was talking to KJ before we left and remember, I don't know if you remember Moby, but I, I said, I was thinking about posting just one photo every day. And you said, yeah, that's a good idea. And so I, I stuck with that. It was terrific. Yeah. I really because, enjoyed that. Because I my, my experience when I'm on other vacations and I just, I think I'm thinking, I'm just going to post four good photos <laughs> and the next thing you know, out comes 15, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. One and you f- lose the audience pretty fast too. Yeah. That. And yeah. I, I was, I mean, I looked forward to it every day. Like, what's he going to send? Because they weren't there. I also liked your reluctance to post anything about the Eiffel Tower for the longest time. <laughs> Jeez, I was just killing myself over that. Every day, not the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, one photo a day. And at the end of the day, I'd, you know, I'd favorite photos. And uh, at the end of the day, Sue and I would look them over and we'd choose one to yeah. one to post. So that was kind of fun. And I, I'll put those. So there's 30, 30 or 31 of those. I'll put those in the, uh, in the gallery in the show notes. Did you uh, did you take the the Trey Grand Vitesse, the, the high speed train to Nice? We took high speed trains three times. Ooh, four actually more than three times. We we Ooh. thought we thought that it would just be the ones with the reservations, but yeah, there was high speed trains all the time. You know, you we didn't even know it would be high speed, and you look out the window and it's holy smokes, that ground is going yeah by fast, and the whole thing just sort of rocks gently, and you sort of. There's no particular feedback other than the visual one to suggest you're going 300 it kilometers is an hour. so like, quiet. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, infrastructure over there in general is just so much better. I mean, the first, when we got to Amsterdam, the first tram we took, just from the airport, that's right. We yeah. In Amsterdam airport, we take a tram to get to our hotel and what? This is like, not, not the tram, it's kind of like the high speed rail. It's like our SkyTrain. Oh yeah. And it's just whisper quiet, <laughs> like <laughs> whisper quiet and fast. So, uh, very, very impressive the whole time. Everything's quiet over there. I found, you know, like Sue mentioned that as well. Just cars 
are a lot more hybrids and EVs. Whatever the truck routes are, they're definitely not going to be anywhere near you. I guess those streets would support it anyways. That's the other thing. Yeah, the streets are so narrow that everyone's going to drive at a low speed anyway. And even on the streets that aren't particularly narrow, it's just well controlled. So we loved everything about it. I took a few notes. I'll just uh, open my notes here. Got, oh, so uh, this was that was the warning shot for just us. Get started. Amsterdam. I think I already mentioned this with Bowen, just how remarkable it was for transportation, for bikes, for quiet. And, and I, I just, just want to interrupt you to express my regret about teasing you over that. So I can't remember you teased me. That's but, good. But yeah, we look up at uh, people are just whipping by on these bikes, no helmets. Griffin had read that the only time that there's accidents, it's tourists on bikes, which <laughs> I believe. People are just moving fast. True. There's a certain confidence, and part of that confidence has to do with the engineering of the roads, of the bikes, of the traffic lights. Traffic lights are all on the near side, not the far side of the intersection, so it's close to you. So as a driver, there's a light up above you, but they also have a miniature light down below, so you can just look at it. And so uh, you don't know what the other people's lights are. So there's none of this stuff where people go, I think I can just slip through here. Yeah, no jumping the light. Yeah, yeah. So very, very good. Did at any point you guys uh, rent bikes or get on a bicycle at all? We did, yeah. Cool. yeah. Which, which you know, I didn't think we would because it's been quite a while since Sue's yeah. ridden. I don't ride all that much anymore and Griffin hadn't ridden since his childhood. But I think his friends were telling him, you know, you got to ride a bike when you're in uh, Holland. So Griffin said, hey, let's rent some bikes when we were in Harlem. Did you go e- to e-bikes? No, we just rode regular, regular bikes. bikes. Oh, yep. wow. Everything's better over there, guys. Except the water. Water's kind of crappy, but over, you know, other than that. Oh, and some attitudes, but still. (laughs) (laughs) And we we already knew about the attitudes, so that was fine as well. And we we did our best to always speak just a tiny little bit of French. Way to go. And, you know, it's, I don't know, it's partly my age, but I think I was never great at learning languages anyway. So just kind of a memory thing, you know. Like I could not... for the life of me, remember you're welcome. The words like tomorrow, like I'd find them. I'd, I'd remember them, but it'd be like a two second pause in the moment it'd get lost. But no, I couldn't. I looked up you're welcome twice while I was there and I, I never, it never stuck in my memory. And, and they would, and I'd ask them and they'd say, and I go, well, I don't really know what that is. But by the way, those one photos a day back on that topic, one of my favorite things was to look at people's comments because it would be just a little lift to your day. You know, you just post the one photo and uh, Huey had the most pithy comments. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I saw some of those. (laughs) You know, I can't remember which one I posted, but his his comment is merda. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we were here and there. Bruges is beautiful, of course. Hergé Museum was fantastic. Strasbourg. Strasbourg was great. From Strasbourg, we went down to the Mediterranean. Which will and be it was your, super smoking hot, I think. The French it? Riviera, as they say, the Côte d'Azur. And you missed the lavender fields because it was too hot. It was too hot, exactly. So cool. I yeah. just, I'm still having massive travel envy because it just looked like it was great. And in Paris for seven days. I'm doing the Paris photos right now, so reliving that. Yeah, and then from uh, Paris up to Normandy. And Normandy was pretty special because Glenn had me watch the, the longest day beforehand. And that just, everything just resonated. 
And we even went to places we would have never gone to if we hadn't seen the movie. So it was fantastic. I thought it was funny you sent that picture of the church at Saint Mary Glees with the uh, because in the movie I can't remember that guy's name. I used to know the name of the actor who played the guy who got fouled up in the church tower. Those were red buttons. Wasn't yes, it, it was. Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice job. I watched the whole movie and then afterwards realized it was red yeah. buttons. And it, at the church, they actually have a guy. A, a dummy. A dummy hung Light, up in parachute size. gear off the uh, church tower to off commemorate the, that. Off the steeple, which really happened in real life. And so they have like a- Like today, they still yeah, have the- yeah. yeah, still there. As a little tourist thing. I thought that was pretty funny. So we went there. That was kind of fun. And then, um, yeah, oh, Etretat was fantastic. What's that? So Etretat's on the north coast and it has those white cliffs, kind of like Dover. And, you know, it's not that far from Dover, really. I guess, what is that, limestone or something that causes uh, those? Chalk, like, I think. Chalk? Yeah, Whatever chalk yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, well, that, you know, soon I watched the series, Lupin, The Gentleman. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, have you seen that one? I have, yeah. That's fantastic. Well, well, some of the scenes there are set in Etretat. Um, so when the boy uh, with his little top hat, they do uh, the they they go he goes missing. But Etretat has all these beautiful arches, so we were you know climbing up above the arches and stuff cool, like that. Cool, cool. Yeah. But that's the that's my whirlwind tour of Europe. Well, I just think it was fabulous. You, I got a lot of satisfaction, a vicarious joy out of your vacation there. Yeah. Which isn't usual. Usually I just sullenly resent somebody who's off on vacation <laughs> when I'm not. Well, now I that thought I, that was the point of Facebook, in fact, is to build sullen <laughs> resentment. And now that I'm back, you know, I'm just going to post a few uh, extra photos. <laughs> the next thing you know, I got 68 I, photos from the first yeah. two days in Paris alone. I, la- right? I laughed at that too. You get and back and now here's just the, an avalanche. And here's the next painting we saw <laughs> at the museum. I brushed my teeth extra early because I knew we had to get to the Colosseum. <laughs> did you go to the Rijksmuseum? We did. We did. And we saw the uh, the Night Watch. It's huge, isn't it? It is huge. It's massive. It's about 20 feet across in real life. Oh. And they've re, re-sprung it. When were you over there? Oh, I've never seen it. Oh, you've never? Okay. No. They kind of, you know, like it's giant canvas, right? And yeah. And it, it starts to get damaged because the framing is going to warp and the little nails through it and everything like that, right? Uh, and so they basically removed the canvas. This thing costs a million bucks to do this, right? Yeah. Everything's got to be so carefully controlled. And then the canvas now has little tiny, maybe fish hooks or something or studs or something, I guess on springs. And there's maybe a couple hundred springs on each side, you know? This is just so that the materials can expand and contract according to. Each of the springs has a sensor on it. <laughs> right, and then if it's getting that needs a little tug, there's a little servo that pulls up. <laughs> there's not a servo. Yeah, yeah. There's a little uh, a motor on oh. each of the springs to pull it back just a little bit. And you know what's wiggy about that? It's already in a climate controlled environment, right? It's in some place where they spent gajillions of dollars on yeah. on air conditioning and temperature yeah. and humidity control. And then they do that on yeah, top of as that. As long as you're patient, you know, you get, you get there and you're only like three, four from the front row of people. You just kind of wait people to take their pictures and stuff. And the next thing you know, you're, you're just got your own perfect view. And then some woman walks right up past the line and stands there while her friend takes her, uh, mm, you know, of course, influence her photos. So, you know, I think your job in that situation is to immediately assume they're American. That's that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I don't know. 
Uh, could be anybody, but your assumption, unless they prove it by opening your mouth and speaking in an Australian accent, you're supposed to assume they're American. I'm, uh, I was mistaken for American several times, I am sure. And, <laughs> you know, I do have some American blood in me. You think? Yeah. Some of my behaviors, you know, you we're, we're in the Marseille uh, train station, you know, and I'm, and, uh, cause we're going to head up from Marseille to Paris. And so there's a baguette place and all the baguettes are so awesome. I was going to do a baguette taste testing today, but you know, Why we'll, didn't you? we are going to do that. We're Jeez. still going to do that. Shouldn't tell us stuff like that when it doesn't happen because well, then you, I get all cranky. You like, have an amazing baguette place up in North Van called Bad Dog. Oh, okay. It's closed today. Otherwise, I would have asked you to kind of pick one up. We would have done a little thing. Wouldn't have worked because I was at the aquarium. Okay, but maybe we can have one of ours on a Thursday or something and sure. uh, do our little baguette tasting. Sure. So uh, so I order my baguette, and, uh, and I'm doing a bad job of French. I'm not really trying as hard as I should. Because <laughs> you're kind of fed up with the whole thing. And I want my baguette cut in two pieces, you know, and you shouldn't need that normally, but I'm taking it on the train with me. Do you, do you try to get all fancy with the accent or do you just fully just My accent is not bad. I, my memory for words is terrible. Uh, my knowledge of the words is pretty bad, but but I can do a not bad accent good. once I get going. Maybe not as good as yours, but pretty good. No, but I mean, it just when you see movies of British guys that are in France and they try to speak French, it's just brutal. Just, je veux avoir du pain, un demi de pain. You know, they just don't even remotely try and i just wondered if you yeah. did it's kind of fun hearing people that have english as a second language doing in accents yeah. like yeah. yona yinton when she does a cowboy accent it's just fantastic <laughs> yeah <laughs> and her english is yeah, it's not bad but it's got a, she has a strong swedish accent but then she just nails the cowboy accent yeah so i'm asking the guy to cut it in half and i'm not probably doing a good job but i think he kind of figured it out <laughs> And all of a sudden he seems to be refusing to serve me. And I'm just like, what the hell is going on? Like, what's the issue here? But he's just like almost shooing me away and uh, starts to talk more and more excitedly to me. And I'm thinking, oh man, I've screwed up. And then someone standing beside me said, they are um, they want us to leave the station. There's a, somebody left a backpack. So it was a, it was a bomb alert, you know, oh, and the, I'm oh, like, oh. what the hell's going on yeah. here? And I'm getting more insistent to the guy. <laughs> <laughs> what have I done wrong? Just tell me. Yeah. So yesterday I posted the photo of my screenshot of me uh, doing at the English of please accept Accept my humble apologies, <laughs> yeah, and then uh, and then when I was in the uh, Musée d'Armes in French, uh, it's time to go. Got to go. Got to get together with Sue. And so I ask one person, and again, I'm kind of not trying hard enough, and I ask them, kind of in English, you know, how to get out, right? And they point me down. What turns turns out to be the wrong way, and I get to a point where it's two exits, right? But those exits have normal sized doors. Mm. You know, and you know, the protocol on that varies from local. It could be staff only, could be the women's washroom, could be anything. Right, but it's got the green guy running, you know. <laughs> Listeners, he just gave yeah. us his body wrap on the green guy running yeah. signs. That was fun. And so I step towards it, my hand goes out and it's, whoa, 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 whoa. And the security guy's running up to me and I'm just like, oh man. <laughs> Really? And that kind of stuff happened to me several times oh, on the wow. trip. I'm just a little blundering my way along. But, uh, uh, you know, in Vancouver, if it says, uh, you know, exit, please keep door closed. Yeah, alarm will sound if doors are open. Well, no, there's that. Yes. But there's another one is, is keep closed. Yeah. And what that means in, in Vancouver is 
you can go through this door, no problem. Just please close it behind yeah, you yeah. for safety reasons. Yeah, and you and probably ch- can't come back through it either. Yeah, there's that too, probably. In Toronto, if it says, please keep door closed or says something a little bit different, it means don't use this. Simply don't use it. It actually, they, they have a kind of a little bit of a different culture there. But anyway, these uh, these doors in Paris definitely meant emergency <laughs> only. And he, you know, he was nice enough. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Another time <laughs> I bought some ice at Picard, which is a frozen food place. We came to realize Picard's the greatest place to buy ice. And, but my first time there I had, I brought my cooler in. Right. And then I'm pointing at the ice and pointing in my cooler. Right. <laughs> and she's shaking her head. Yes. Which means yes, that ice is for coolers, you know, and I'm, what I'm hearing is, yes, you can put the ice in your cooler b- before you bring it up to the front. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So then I'm, I'm just <laughs> chewing open the bag biting his through the plastic <laughs> or and the other owner are just all of a sudden so excited because all they know I'm a homeless guy. Yeah. And, oh, I don't know. But yeah, the next time I was at a Picard, they thought I was the nicest guy ever. Yeah. Yeah. So you weren't wearing like a maple leaf or any conspicuous display of nationality. Were you? Said Sue, Sue actually gave me a Canadian maple leaf button to start wearing. Right? But anyway, that's fun. I just had a, a message from Rob and at the end of it, uh, my reply, I said, how about them Americans? Just for something to throw in. And it, he replied back and said, uh, at your next podcast, be nice, nice to Richie because he's half American. He's part American. That's right. Was Rob born in, in Trail? Rob, yeah, Rob uh, dodged that bullet. Oh, I didn't and, know and that. And Mike did as well. Oh. I didn't know that either. Yeah, well, you know, Dad, how much, you know how much Dad loved the U.S., right? Yeah. And he hated the higher taxes here. And just to him, everything was better in the States because of low taxes and because of, you know, Work hard, right? Like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. don't rely on the state, right? And so, you know, uh, <clears throat> late in dad's life, I asked him how come, you know, he said, well, we we, we wanted to move down to Reading, but Mike was on the way. I said, well, how come you didn't go down? He said, well, it's way too expensive to have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh, geez. So Mike got born in Canada because of the high uh, cost of healthcare down there. Yeah. But well, they had to pay for you. Yeah, they had to pay for me. Tale as old as time, eh? You know, like. Yeah. Sheesh. I think you should tell our listeners, because I think this is rather fantastic too, that you have personally entered a car not being driven by a native or a specialist into the roundabout at the Champs-Élysées. I find that, or sorry, Arc de Triomphe. Well, yeah, the Arc find de Triomphe. find that amazing. Yeah, the, the Arc de Triomphe is at the end of the Champs-Élysées. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. I was looking forward to it. I was even looking forward. Oh, I was crazy. I don't know I was know hoping you... it would be busy. And <laughs> and in a, in a way, it wasn't really busy. I went through it twice. But, you know, <laughs> Hoping after, for an accident. <laughs> after I'd gone through it twice, I read something which I didn't know or I'd forgotten, which is that it is the only traffic circle in France, perhaps all of Europe, where you have to yield to people entering it, Mm. right? It's just because of the sheer volume of it. Yeah, yeah. You'll see a whole line of cars, 10 across, stopped, and a stream of cars coming on. And there's traffic people waving the cars on, and people come to a stop to let them all on. Oh, wow. That's why. I guess what happened was that... There's so many tourists and they're just going round and round. Nobody could ever get on. 
Yeah, that was a white knuckles trip for Sue through there, especially the first time. So now let's be full full transparency. Sue was driving? No, I was driving. Oh, no <laughs> wonder it was white knuckle. Yeah. Well, that's just it. You know, you know how it goes in general. Like when, when you're, when you're the passenger, like when you're in the back of a motorcycle or something, that's not fun because you don't know what the driver knows. That's true. And don't know so, what they've noticed or not. Right. Noticed. And, and I'm capable of missing stuff as the driver as well. So she doesn't necessarily know, but I was just totally enjoying it because the driving style <laughs> on that, no, the way it works is that if someone's like a foot in front of you, let them go. If you're a foot in front of someone else, just keep going. And and if you don't understand that, there's going to be problems. But in <laughs> in Europe, there are very it's very rare to have Mexican standoffs. Yeah, everyone just seems to understand it's survival of whoever's in front. Whoever's in front gets to go. You know, of course, follow the streetlights. Yeah. But basically, as you're moving around, people do signal, but you don't count on the signals. You just see if you see a car moving into your lane. So listeners, if you're wondering where the PSA segment of Rich's European Vacation is, that is some probably pretty hard won advice right there. I mean, I would never in a million years purposely venture into that roundabout. (laughs) I just would never do it. eh? Like, whoa. People are driving fairly slow. I mean, maybe they get up to 30K when things are moving really good. Yeah, still low. It just but seems like you, the stakes are pretty high. You just go and you're looking to see, are there some of these boats? Cause you're in an ocean there. There yeah. are no, there are no lines, right? It's just yeah. big pavement. And if you see some of these boats kind of moving in front of you, then you're going to, going to let them go. But if you don't have the trust, if you're kind of checking your shoulders and stuff, that's a nightmare, right? Because now if you're shoulder checking, checking your mirrors and stuff, that means you're not looking in front of you yeah. to these people who are just gradually moving right in front of you. Yeah. You just have to. I mean, maybe check your mirror now and then, but that's not the point. If you, you know, you're ahead of those people, they're not going to. They're dead to you. Yeah. You just keep going. Jeez. So, yeah. Well done. Well, I mean, there is the whole thing of the GPSs are pretty good. We switched to Google Maps because Waze is. In, oh, like, say that again a little louder. Yeah. Some Google. of the people in the back didn't hear. Did you say Waze kind of sucked? Is that what I heard For you say? parts of Europe, I'd say so, yeah. Wow, Waze. Because one of us in this room has. I don't know, for most of my adult life, been a pretty formidable proponent of Waze as the better navigation. Well, I use system. whatever's best for the locale. Just not biting at yeah. all. So unsatisfying. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, uh, Google Maps. Are you still that guy's again? I still believe in Google Maps. I do not believe in Waze. Waze when it's, when it's appropriate, yeah. So <laughs> When uh, it works, you mean? They're both pretty good about telling you how many exits off the roundabouts. Yeah. And of course... How many are there? I think there's one. I think there are 12 for the Arc de Triomphe. Oh, jeez. Which is the Place Charles de Gaulle. And, and oh man, yeah. So, and, okay. I'll just say, <laughs> listeners, before we get thousands of angry letters, Waze is fine. They're both very, very comparable. Google Maps, far from perfect. Let's just get that out of the way now. But 12, and it will tell you from whatever one you entered which one you're supposed yeah, they, they to exit Yeah, they give you from. a count, but I mean, on, on, on one like that, you don't, you can't, you know, you can actually look at the picture and you can see where you're at. So you yeah. just do a quick glance at the picture. Yeah. Hopefully not running into the person yeah, in front of exactly, you. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was good. Oh, that's cool. There was so much in there. You went to Bruges too, eh? Bruges was amazing. Yeah. yeah. I did actually have that brewery on my little walking tour map. Yeah. 
but I was pretty careful. Like I did walking tour maps for 15 different places. Yeah. But you know, you have to be sensitive. I had to be sensitive to, I'm not just going to force march Sue and Griffin through yeah. these tours and then, okay, we stop and now I read my little thing, my little write-up. So I'd kind of play that by ear. If people seemed interested, yeah. then I would read some factoids about whatever yeah. we're looking at. And if you're going 200 meters off route just to see a beer pipe, that might not go over so well. That was, yeah, because neither Sue nor Griffin have any interest in even having a sip of beer than that. Yeah. That changed that. There were some pretty um, uh, Belgian beer. So I am not a beer aficionado whatsoever, but have you, have you had La Chouf? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, probably because we, you've been in Belgium. Yeah. We were in uh, Bruges actually. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And it was, uh, it's it a was, blonde beer and it's not a wheat beer, but anyway, for whatever reason, it totally appealed to me and. But Bruges, super cool. I saw you had pictures of the tower and mm-hmm. where the, what was the name of that movie? It, uh, we watched several movies in preparation. Sue and I watched In Bruges together. In Bruges. Yeah, fantastic is. show. Yeah. A couple of hit men. It was quite funny too, because, you know, part of the comedy of the show, it's a black comedy, is that the uh, the older hitman really loves Bruges and he loves being a tourist. He loves scenery and he yeah. loves beautiful things. And the younger hitman has none of that gene in him. He's just not, he's a nice guy played by Colin Farrell, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. But he's just a doof. Yeah. 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 He's not super bright. That's right. The older guy played by Gleason. He wants to go see the chapel of the Holy Blood and you go in there and there's a little vial. It's actually about this big, about 10 inches long. It has a piece of cloth in it and on the cloth or some dark droplet, dried blood. It's Christ's blood. And there's a scene in the movie where he, his voice lowers and he says, and you know, there's a belief that from time to time in moments of intense stress that that blood turns liquid. And like the Colin Farrell character goes, oh, okay. Anyway. <laughs> and it's so infuriating to him. He wants to share in yeah. this experience. Yeah. And I'm like, you guys want to go see it? And Sue and Griffin are no. <laughs> it was just, it was just so much like it. That's funny. So I go there and then once again, I'm that American, right? So now I'm in, I'm in the little chapel there and there's a little thing at the altar. It's kind of like an altar. There's steps up it on one side and steps down it on yeah. the other. It's fairly small. That's one person wide, the steps up. Yeah. You can go up those steps and you can view the vial with the cloth in it. But there's a rope across, right? Oh. Yeah. So there's a rope across. There's only certain times a day that they're going to make this available for viewing. And I think it's a big deal. I think each day there's probably a little bit of a ceremony. But there's no rope on the other side. (laughs) There's a number of people around. And and as I was entering, I saw that there was something going on with some (laughs) priest or something. And then he was gone when I got close. And so I'm thinking... Is that open on purpose? But I don't want to be that guy, you know. I don't want to have the oh. people the have a guard come yeah. yelling, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Just like at the museum. So I see a guy kind of behind a door. And so I kind of knock and he's talking to some nuns. <laughs> and I come in and all of a sudden it's, well, you're not supposed to be here. Right? <laughs> whoa. 
So I'm going, oh, but I, <laughs> and you know, that the, the rope, the rope, and he's going, what, what, what? Because again, I'm not speaking French, yeah. right? I don't know what rope is in French. So he, so he goes marching up to the rope and puts it across like I'd done him in a great big indignity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Too bad. <laughs> Too bad. I, I never I, saw the holy drops. I yeah. would, well, by the time you left, they were probably liquid again. I think they were <laughs> liquid because it was well, a lot of stress the going on The guy's all there. wound up. Eh? Uh, <laughs> it has to have a little cry with the sisters of whatever just after you leave. The whole thing just sounds great to and me. And that clock in Strasbourg? I, yeah, the pictures, I didn't. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you want, you saw the one picture in my description of it. If you have a chance, go into the photos I've posted from Strasbourg. I've got a picture of each unit on there and ah, yeah. an explanation of how it how it works. Ooh, I should. And it actually is quite cool. And I made it as pithy as I could while kind of explaining what's going on there. So yeah. then I'll make an effort to recover from my photo fatigue and go and look at that because yeah, just go with that one because yeah. I've been saving them for when it starts raining. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. So anyway. Hope I hope I've done that uh, trip uh, justice. Well, I don't know if we really gave you an, enough of a chance to, but it does sound like it was fantastic, uh, listeners. I expect there'll be just a tidal wave of things to look at on the website after this. So go to the website. You'll probably see the Strasbourg clock. You'll probably see. Well, I'm going to post the uh, 30 shot of days in the in the yeah. gallery. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Cool. So, uh, save yourself a lot of money. Just look at the pictures. Thanks, RJ. Oh, I do have a few notes. The uh, European sirens with the Doppler effect. Yeah. Never got old. Yeah, no. Just saying. <laughs> oh, PSA, you guys. Trans- translation apps are just the best now. On the iPhone, it's great. I'm pretty sure it's really good on Android as well, but I only have an iPhone, so I can just speak to that. You know, if I got a text from... Orange, the French cell phone company, because mm. we actually used the French cell phone services while we were there. I just touch and hold on the bubble and say translate, right? Like, you know, if you're on a web page, you just touch and hold and translate. If you take a photo of a menu, you know, you can mm. just look at that and quickly translate Stand. ingredients. So just something to, to be aware of there, a little PSA. And another PSA is all the cell phone companies have raised their daily roaming rates. Like it used to be $5 in the US, $7 in Europe. That was about five years ago. It's now 15, was it 12, 12 in the US and 15 in Europe, I think. So between Sue and I, that's two phones, 30 days. We get a few free days in there. We would pay about $800 for roaming. Sheesh. So we just did eSIMs, which, you know, you just order it for free while you're in Canada and it gives you some simple instructions. You buy your first package, 20 euros for 15 gigabytes for two weeks. It's, it's on, on all modern phones from the 10R onward. I think you have a 10R. Mm-hmm. They have a second SIM in them. There's a physical SIM. That's the thing on the yep. side. There's an eSIM that's inside. You can't see it. And so you can have a second SIM. It's a virtual SIM. So you just buy it and it gives you instructions. What do you do before the flight? What do you do on the flight? And what do you do when you land? And so before the flight, flight you get it all set up. You, you now have two phone lines and you'll, your cellular settings show two different phone lines. 
your regular, in my Oof. case, Fido. And then the other one says orange and it's turned orange, France, and it's turned off, right? And then you get on the plane and then once you're on the plane and you're no longer getting cell reception, it has you turn yeah. your Fido one off and your orange one on. Wow. And then uh, when you get off the plane, you t- you know, when the plane lands, you turn off airplane mode and now you're using your, your French SIM. Cool. Yeah. That is really cool. Yeah, and it just takes a little getting used to, but uh, but it's awesome. Yeah, so just another uh, PSA for everyone. That, that's a really good one because the phone business is just a constant plague trying to figure out what you should do and who you should do it with when you go over there. Tipping, people are well paid over there compared to here. Tipping's usually not a thing. Yeah. But you can, and they know you're a tourist. Some of them, you know, they all have their little device that you're going to pay with your credit card. And so let's say your bill's 45 euros. And, you know, for some of them, they'll do um, 45 euros. <laughs> <laughs> and you go, I'll make it 50. And they go, thank you. Merci beaucoup. Yeah. Right. But, but still it's not, you're not tipping 20%. Yeah. They're, they're well paid. And, and you know what, if you say, yeah, yes, 45, thank you. They don't, give you some kind of evil eye or anything. Yeah, you don't get a lot of attitude. Yeah, yeah. so it's great. That is great. The tipping thing is a massive racket. I I don't like it at all. It puts everybody but the owner in a bad spot, pretty much. Yeah, 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 yeah. Service over there is fantastic. As a tourist, you're not going to be in a hurry anyway, right? If you're doing it right, you're not going to be in a hurry. Mm. If you're doing it wrong, you got a schedule and everything's, then maybe you're in a hurry, but... But service in France is just notoriously slow. And, you know, part of that is, in Europe in general, part of that is, well, what are you there for? You're there to have a nice meal. You're there to have some good conversation, to enjoy the food. The point isn't to move on, right? I remember on our last, last day, we ordered some chocolates to bring home with us. Fantastic chocolates. And we didn't spend a lot. We had just three small boxes, maybe 10 euros each. And I just loved the whole thing. Like there's one clerk there and she just turns away. Everything's kind of slow movements and she turns away from us and she's doing stuff with the boxes I can't even see. And it's just like three minutes later, <laughs> out comes the boxes with these perfect blue ribbons on them. Yeah. Just placed just so. And I just, it was a nice little uh, cap off to our trip. Just uh, all that stuff is special when you're in, in less of a hurry. That's that's the end of my little Europe thing. That's the end of my notes, skin. You can now... Uh, you well, can now uh, I'll say, thanks, RJ. That was great. Yeah, that's my... Uh, I feel my, like I was there. My pleasure. Oh, and one... No. <laughs> it lacks that certain spark. That certain, shall I say, cynicism. <laughs> the je ne sais quoi. <laughs> You're just back from France. You got to throw stuff like that around all the time. <laughs> A certain je ne sais quoi, as if you say it all the time, because you've been to France. Speaking of languages, I started uh, Korean on Duolingo. Had a boy. Oh, you know. boy. And okay. I, why didn't I know about Duolingo? I don't I, know. I've mentioned it in here before. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you know that Korean was a part of it? Yeah. Oh. We're at the end of another fun and fact build episode here in the shed you might hear some rumbling noises some mic noise that's buddy the dog who is relieved that finally kj will be in a position to shower him with attention 
So we got to go. We've had a lot of fun. If you've got other stuff you need to hear from us, if you want to inform us about mistakes we've made, because, you know. There's a lot of them. Well, we might have, <coughs> RJ might have made some mistakes. I don't know. But get a hold of us. Get a hold of us anyways, if you feel like it. We'll cadate with us to come in and discover the shit. But in all, in any case, take care of yourselves. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye now.